Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm your host, Nathaniel Jolly. And this week, we have a very special guest on the show, Mr. Samuel Say. Uh, thanks for joining us, Samuel. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. So Samuel is a Ghanaian Canadian uh, who lives in the Toronto area. And uh, so but before we get started, Samuel, tell us a little bit about your work, a little bit about your blog, Slow to Write, a little bit about your ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, some are probably more familiar with me on, under the, uh, I guess, the nickname Slow to Write. Um, and um, I have a slowtowrite.com blog where I blog about racial issues, cultural issues, political issues from a theological perspective. And um, I've been doing that for the last five years. I started doing that after uh, Black Lives Matter became very prominent amongst my friends here in Toronto and across uh, the world, really. And um, I just wanted to give a biblical perspective on these kind of issues. And... um, over the last five years, I've been just privileged to have gained some audience. Um, but besides that, what I also do uh, is pro-life work. I work for an organization here in Canada named the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. And what we do is we just educate the culture um, about what abortion really does to babies. Mm-hmm. Um, the world thinks they understand what abortion is, but we've learned that when people really understand what's happening, um, including Christians, they get more involved in the, uh, the pro-life movement. Yeah, man, that's, that's good. Thanks for letting us know a little bit about what you're doing. And, you know, for our audience listening, by the way, so Samuel's writings have been featured on a ton of websites. Um, some of them like the statement on social justice, uh, if you haven't signed that statement, I'd encourage you to do that. But he's been on challies.com, aomen.org, wretched.org, and lots of others. And so my, my point of bringing that up is is just to show people that, you know, your writing is having an impact that people are grabbing a hold of it because it, it's really good stuff. It's edifying. It's educational. It's it's solidly biblical. Um, I spent this week kind of browsing through your site and r- reading a bunch of blogs. Uh, I, I already read your stuff uh, here and there, but uh, just kind of going through them again. And, you know, there's just a lot of really good, uh, deep thinking there. And so I really appreciate that. And I think the guys who aren't following you yet, uh, who should be now, um, would appreciate it and, and be edified in that too. Thank you so much. So, well, today we actually want to deal with a topic that's very dear to you, uh, I know, and is very dear to me. And in reality, it should be very dear to every Christian. And that's the issue of murder. Um, I, I'm saying it that way, specifically when we want to talk about abortion. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm calling it murder because it seems like an and you can speak to this a little bit, Samuel, but it seems like to me today too many Christians kind of treat abortion far more lightly than mm-hmm. what than how it really should be treated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Biblically, we know that murder is the taking, the unjustified taking of a life, of a human life. 
doesn't matter what stage of life they are. It doesn't matter if they're elderly, if they're uh, middle aged, if they're young, if they're even a preborn baby. That's a life. Mm. So it is murder. Um, but unfortunately, I think some of us are embarrassed about saying that. And, uh, and, and, and I get it, right? Because there are some people who are post-abortive, people who've had abortions, um, who've committed murder in the past, and they very much have repented mm-hmm. over that. And we sometimes don't want to remind them of that horrible sin by using that word. And I get it. I really do. Nevertheless, we can't coddle people, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've committed some sins in my life in the past. And when I'm reminded of those sins, it is difficult. Of course, I still commit sin now. I just mean this particular sin that I've committed in the past that I don't want to be reminded of. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But when I hear it in its frank, candid manner, it's mm-hmm. good for me. Because it reminds me of the cross. It reminds me of what Christ has rescued me from. So I don't want to be coddled, and we shouldn't coddle anybody else, including women who can get abortion or who have had abortions anyways, right? And when we remind people that abortion really is murder, it saves babies. Because there are many people, we call them pre-abortive women, who might be who might want to get an abortion because they want to suppress the truth that mm. it really is murder. Yeah. 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 It's a good point. And I, I think on the onset here, it, it would be good just to elaborate on what you just said a little bit in terms of, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you're a woman who's had an abortion and you've recognized just the heinousness of that sin and you've asked for forgiveness that you are forgiven um, and, and the reality is, you know, some sins carry lifelong consequences, um, and, and we understand that. And so, as we talk about this issue, you know, we do want people to understand that if this is something that you've done in the past and you've genuinely repented and asked for forgiveness, God has been faithful to forgive you for that. And, and that weight and, and that burden, as it were, before Christ has been taken care of at the cross of Christ. But we do, as you've said and, and stated quite well, we, we need to be candid and frank about what abortion really is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as time goes on, it's even more important because it seems like um, part of uh, the left strategy, part of the, the liberal even liberal theology that's adopting this, you know, attitude of it being okay to have an abortion. Um, it, part of their strategy is to is to take it away from being murder, right? So if yeah. you can if you can dehumanize an infant, you know, a preborn, or if you can get away from the stigma of it being murder, then it makes it easier on a worldly conscience to to do those things. And so, exactly. Now you. I, you know, I said earlier we we made that very strong statement, um, and but and I think you expressed something very similar in an article you wrote, and I, so I wanted to ask you about that. So you wrote a recent article called "Do Democrats Decrease Abortion Rates?" and mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes for folks to uh, look up later. But you said this in that article. One of the biggest indictments against the evangelical branch of the social justice movement is that it increasingly is that it's increasingly adopting talking points from the most fundamental social justice activists, abortion activists. In fact, many professing Christians who embrace social justice ideology inevitably become more apathetic or in some cases supportive of abortion. Mm -hmm. That's quite the statement. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I I try. You know, I my my blog is named "Slow to Write" um, as a reference to James one nineteen, uh, which says that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So, I recognize that every word I say. Um, every every word that I write, I have to make sure that I'm being, I'm honoring those words. I mention that because I recognize how hard hitting maybe that might be, or how candid that might be, and yet I completely stand by it. And because I've come across, in fact, many friends of mine who were very much anti-abortion, pro-abortion, who were very committed to ending abortion evangelical leaders who've been slowly over time becoming clearly apathetic about abortion Mm. including some who've mentioned now that as abortion really a sin sometimes it's understandable we can be more compassionate should we be compassionate sin of course but doesn't mean you have to think that a sin is a righteous deed which a lot of abortion activists think uh, well all abortion activists think that abortion is actually righteousness right um so yeah uh unfortunately so see the thing this is one of the, the frustrating things about how we talk about social justice if you ask a pro-abortion activist if they believe in social justice, they will say, yes, they do. Because as I um, suggested in the, in the quotes that you, you mentioned, the most fundamental pro-abortion, sorry, the most fundamental social justice group are the feminist mm. and then the abortion activist. At the very center of yeah. social justice ideology is abortion. That's really what it is. So that is why so many people end up inevitably becoming more apathetic or, as I said, in some cases, supportive of abortion. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it, I know it seems hard for Bible-believing Christians to, to even believe that there are professing Christ, other professing Christians who would condone something as heinous as murdering an innocent child. And, and yet, like you've said, not only are some professing Christians condoning, condoning it, um, but if, if you do a bit of research, you can even find, you know, professing believers who are trying to use scripture to justify it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and so b- because we run a bit of an apologetic podcast here, I, I want to just talk about w- one of the prominent verses that I have found comes up over and over and over from professing believers as a way to excuse um, ab- abortion. And and so an example of that is Exodus 21, 22 through 25. And, and I'm going to read that. But those arguing for abortion, you know, I, I think... I think the reality is they know that the only way they have a real chance to do that is, like I said earlier, by by dehumanizing an infant, right? If you dehumanize the unborn, then essentially they're, they're just property or they're just a thing that can be thrown away, you know? Um, and, and so 
this passage is often used to, to do that. And, and, and so they would use the argument, a pregnant woman who's injured and aborts the fetus warrants financial compensation only to her husband. And that scripture suggests that the fetus is just property, not a person. That's the actual argument. Yeah. Right. And you see this by abortion apologists over and over and over, you know, those who are professing Christ and looking for an eisegetical way, right, to, to insert something into scripture. Well, it's a gross twisting of the content of, of the text. And so let me just read the text. It actually says this. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judge decides. But if there's any further injury, you shall appoint as a penalty, life for life, mm-hmm. eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. I think when you read that <laughs> and you read the whole section, it's yeah. crystal clear that this law was designed to prevent any accidental injury, mm-hmm. right? Not even just purposeful, but even an accidental injury to the mother or child. I mean, life and welfare was so valuable that it was guarded by this law, even against unintentional harm. The, the baby was clearly viewed as an important person, a human being. And so someone was accountable for any injury or, or death caused to the baby. So much so that a life for a life, that if, if the scripture's penalty in that time values a baby so much so that if you accidentally took the life, the penalty was life for life. Mm-hmm. How, what difference does that make in how we view um, and how we think about God's perspective on abortion and, and infants today? Mm-hmm. One of the most shocking things, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but there is a, there's a, uh, he calls himself a doctor, but he just really uh, a murderer who wears, um, I guess, the clothing that doctors wear. Um, and he, I don't know if he works for Planned Parenthood or not, but he is at a abortion center or murder mill. And he claims he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. He's killed thousands and thousands and thousands of babies. And he's used the same kind of argument um, as you know the base uh, as his basis for thinking that what he's doing is actually a righteous act. Mm-hmm. But we know that throughout history and in the Bible, Satan has always twisted God's words to commit people to do an injustice. Um, and that's very much what we're seeing right now. We know, I mean, we, throughout the scriptures, of course, God, God, you know, rightly so. We know even Christ Himself, you know, you know, in, you know, when He was a fetus. Right, we see him being alive. We see John the Baptist leaping for joy. We see all these things. So, for anyone to claim that Bible itself is pro-abortion is ridiculous. But we, but we know that, and they know that. They know, they know they're wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they know that we Christians are the very forefront of this issue. And if they can get a lot of us to become more apathetic or to become more confused, more unsure, then they win the battle because we are the very forefront of this issue. Yeah, I you know I think you you hit on something there, and what I'd like to bring out is part of the problem in the Christian community is biblical illiteracy, 
Mm. Right. Believers mm. just don't really know what yeah. their Bible says about yeah. these topics. Yeah. I mean, we, we in the reform camp, you know, we talk about the Imago Dei a lot of times. And so everyone knows we're made in the image of God. But I think few believers, if pressed, could really express what that means in any, any significant way or, yeah. you know, God's perspective on that. But, you know, when you God hasn't changed his thought and, and ideas and, and value of life hasn't changed. I mean, it's just, you know, if people would just sit back and think about even just this one verse where it, it, it was such a big deal, as it were, that there was a law instated by God to protect an accidental injury and the penalty was as strong as life for life. Just imagine if that was how we viewed taking an, an innocent life today, right? I mean, we're far past excusing an accidental murder like now we're just we're not even excusing anything in our current culture it's being celebrated Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you you know and one of the things i find fascinating about where we are at today in our culture where we seem to believe we are the most just culture to ever live we believe Mm -hmm. that we are so like all these protests and all these riots people seem to think this is just such a righteous cause. And I just, keep, I just keep thinking to myself that the vast majority of these groups, including Black Lives Matter or Antifa, they were heavily, heavily committed to abortion. Heavily. So if you are radically pro-abortion, why? What is the basis? What is the basis for your quote-unquote social justice? Right? And the basis for it is really anti-Christian, anti-Christ. It's, they're against the biblical standards and biblical justice. So you're right. We've gone so far past the point of accidentally, you know, killing babies that now we think it's righteous. Mm. The most righteous thing you could do to actually kill babies. Yeah. I saw a billboard, a picture of a billboard this week that's been going around and around, so I'm sure it's probably old, but uh, it it said something to the effect of the best thing you can do for your child is not to have any more. Yeah. Um, And and it just falls right in line with that that whole, you know, very liberal mentality. Um, You know, God said, be fruitful, multiply. And that that wasn't Mm -hmm. a specific command to every single individual. You need to have as many kids as you can. It was a Mm -hmm. general command. But the point is that having kids are a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Right, they're they're to be cherished. They're they're to be celebrated, and and yet uh, our we have an, a culture now that is wanting to suppress um, the idea that kids are celebratory. So instead, they're a burden. They're a hassle. If you have one, please just don't have any more because it's the best thing you can do for your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, as a firstborn with siblings, I, I, despite the fact that uh, just factually that's horrible i can tell you that uh, what a terrible thing to say right like i mean i have so enjoyed my siblings most of the time you know (laughs) but but that's the culture we've come into and and so it's you know the whole feminist movement and we you know we talked about this kind of before we started recording um centering a lot of this stuff basically teaches women that hey it's it's okay if you to view your child as just a thing to be disposed. And by the way, you're actually a stronger woman. If you just don't have children, you, you, 
you know, become an activist, yeah. become a career woman, you know, for, forget the um, husband as the head of the household that's, you know, antiquated and, mm-hmm. and it's patriarchal. And, yep. and so, but all of this stuff really seems to come back to two big issues and it's abortion and, home, and, and feminism. Exactly. You know, I'm glad you mentioned feminism particularly because one of the biggest concerns I have with social justice is that it's very much tied to identity politics. And it's a disaster because it ties back to what you were saying earlier about the ad that said that the best you can do for your child is not to have another. Well, what, what is that coming from? It's coming from a very selfish attitude. It's really speaking to the parents, right? Especially the woman. And I mentioned that because we have a culture where we say, I don't want women to quote unquote suffer because be, me being a woman, not me, obviously, I'm, I'm speaking, <laughs> I'm speaking from, you know, a feminist, right? But that, you know, a woman would say that, you know, them being a woman, they don't want to see other women suffer. Or me being a black man, I could just say, I support Black Lives Matter because I'm a black man. I want to protect other black people. Well, here's a problem with that. Then you only see justice strictly from your lens. Mm. Then you see justice from, well, I want someone like me to do well, which inevitably that kind of selfishness will mean I want myself or other people like me to do well at the expense of others who are not like me. So if you are a feminist or if you are, a you know a feminist woman you will say i want the i want the wife to do well at the expense of another baby or if you are a black man like myself you might say i want black people to do well so give us reparations give us whatever you want you know whatever we want at the expense of white people and other you know other non-black people the issue is we're not looking at justice from the imago day perspective We're not saying that, hey, I want justice because of what God says. We're then saying, no, 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 I want social justice that benefits me or my quote-unquote kind, right? And that's the concern that we're having here, which is why I'm, I, (laughs) the Bible is crucial for us, you know, and, and, you know, on these things, because the Bible tells us what justice is, and that's what God says it is. And there's, there's no buts or ifs. Unfortunately, Christians are starting to take cues from the world and are rejecting justice to embrace an evil form or I can't even say evil form. It's an injustice, right? A satanic view of what justice really is. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's important. We're we're talking about how social justice and the, and the social justice movement uh, affects these things and particularly abortion. Um, I I know lots of guys are now standing up and kind of fighting against this stuff. I, I think it's important to recognize what kind of ideology is behind the social justice movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, and because it, it tells us a lot about their perspective. And, and it comes from Marxist ideology. Mm-hmm. You, know, if you, you know, if you study and read up on Marxism and what Karl Marx actually believed and taught, um, you study the Frankfurt School, if you study a bunch of these other things. Uh, and and w- while I'm doing that, uh, plug for Vody Bauckham. Uh, if, if guys haven't heard his talks on cultural Marxism, you need to do that because it, it'll help you understand just the, yeah, the, 
the demonic darkness behind these movements and it it's good because we see what they're pushing and what they're supporting and and we can trace it back to you know fundamental belief systems and so i say all that to say that marxism uh is a baseline it's fundamentally an enemy of christianity right it's the opiate of the masses that that's the kind of view mm-hmm. um and and i mean karl marx was a hater of christianity mm-hmm. um and and so everything that these guys buy into at at the foundational level it comes from a hatred for god and mm-hmm. and thus flows over to a hatred of god's people and so when christians you know link arms with these uh, these types of things, they're, they're really joining with something that is fighting against God, God's nature, how he's created us. And, and it's important because eventually, if you join yourself with those things long enough, and right, the Proverbs teach us um, that the people we hang out with matter, right? Uh, bad morals corrupt, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Um, and so that's how I think uh, partly how we see Christians who go from saying, yes, justice, justice is good. They're about justice, although it's different um, to, you know, a, a year or two down the line, they're starting to say, well, you know, maybe abortion is not that bad because you've got this passage yeah. in Exodus that kind of seems like it's property. Um, you've got these other passages that are, you know, have been uh, brought out by way of eisegesis, uh, you know, reading into the text rather than taking out of the text. Mm-hmm. And and then next thing you know, you, you hear of a group forming that says something like pro-life Christians for Biden, right? Which is something that I, I just noticed this week or last week, uh, I was reading some articles. Brother, what are your thoughts on pro-life Christians for Biden? Um, I don't know when you plan on releasing this article. I'm not trying to plug my articles myself. Oh, plug it, brother! Interview, but um, you know, this Friday we're I know we're recording on a Tuesday, um, and um, I'll I'll be writing an article, Lord willing, titled uh, "Pro Life Christians from Murder." Um, and I'm not trying. I'm not always trying to be provocative or anything like that. It's just the first one that came to mind. Well, if you're voting for Joe Biden, you're voting for a man who has been very clear on this. Hmm. He wants to expand abortion laws. He, he wants to get rid of the Hyde Amendment, which has saved at least 2 million babies in America since it was enacted in uh, 1980, I believe. He wants to make, he just said this last night at a town hall, he wants to make Roe v. Wade, if it's struck down, he wants to make it the, the law of the land. Wow. I don't quite understand how a pro-life, a supposedly pro-life Christian. Now, being pro-life and Christian, is a, it means the same thing. If you, well, what I mean is if you're a Christian, you're pro-life. If you're pro-life, you're not necessarily a Christian, right? But if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be pro-life. Yeah. So anyway, I don't quite understand how you can say you're pro-life and vote for a man who wants to destroy pro-life. It doesn't make any sense. Right. One of the concerns I have about it is that, honestly, it really goes to show, this might sound harsh, but it goes to show how those that organization, that group, what they really think about pre-born babies. Yeah. Because I read their website, 
And essentially they're saying, yeah, we hate that Biden is not pro-life like we are or that he's not anti-abortion like we are. But on health care, immigration, everything else, poverty, he's pro-life. Well, not necessarily. That's a whole different issue, which we might get into. He's actually also has an unbiblical view of those things as well. But let's just ignore that for now. How do you get over the fact hmm. that he thinks it's okay to kill babies and that he wants to make, he wants to strengthen the laws that legalize these murders? Hmm. What does that say about us then? Because if you really believe that these preborn babies are human, why do you think it's okay? that he doesn't feel the way you do about it. Because I've said this before, if, it were, if, if Joe Biden was saying he wanted to make, um, uh, if, he wanted to le- if he wanted to make legalizing murders against 10-year-olds the law of the land, would we say that's okay? I imagine they wouldn't. They would say, well, wait, that's, that's evil, that's wrong. Well, what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah between a 10-year-old and just nine years before that when they're still in the womb, right? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, just, just when, when they're in the womb. Yeah. What's the difference? So if we say there is no, well, there's a difference, then what we're really saying is the preborn baby isn't as human mm-hmm. as or as deserving of the same rights as a 10-year-old. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what it really boils down to. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. And it... You know this idea that you can be um, that that you can be pro life and you can join with those who are directly not even just directly opposed, but they're doing everything they can to take more lives. Yeah. Um, you, you reference the Hyde Amendment, um, and it, so j- just a, in case folks don't know what that is. The Hyde Amendment was a legislative provision barring the use of federal funds to pay for abortion. Um, and so, it, in fact, before, when that thing took an effect, there was about an estimated 300,000 abortions performed annually um, a- after it was put into effect. That it, the, the rate of abortions went down to a few thousand. So, is it good enough? Uh, no. But just to say it's important, and that thing is enacted every year. Um, so if they were to repeal that, right, uh, several things would happen. But, but one is repealing that is directly proportionate to availability of government funds for murdering innocent children. So it matters. Um, you, you can find all these things. I mean, these things are in the Democrat Party's platform, their 2020 uh, platform document that they put out. In fact, let me read a quote from that document. Um, On page 32 of that document, it says this, Democrats are committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health. Uh, Now, pause right there. Reproductive health means abortion. Let's not mistake that for anything other than what it really is. Mm -hmm. So, advancing reproductive health rights and justice. We believe unequivocally, like the majority of Americans, that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. So, just in case there is any doubt, right, um, they want every woman to be able to, without any hindrance, abort their child with no consequence at any time. 
that is a part of their platform. Um, and, and so I, you know, I did a podcast sometimes back, um, called it's not about politics one and two. And the second one goes through this 92 page document, Mm. um, and makes the case for why a believer cannot join with Mm -hmm. this party and make no mistake. Uh, although it's hard to hear, uh, it, when, when politics today is different than it was 70 years ago, they have yeah. adopted moral issues. Yeah. And so we have to judge our votes and how we support things on what they've adopted. And a vote for the Democrat Party today is, in fact, joining arms with what they've decided they are going to platform. And you are assisting in furthering um, legislation that would mm. kill more children so there is no such thing as a real biblical pro-life christian for biden you yeah. just can't do yeah. that and, and you know i think people sometimes don't quite understand what what what, what abortion really is because i <laughs> I struggle when any time it's people because so a lot of the arguments that I well a lot of the reasoning behind that movement that organization the pro-life Christians for Joe Biden I hear that stuff when I'm talking to pro-abortion people in the streets mm. that's what I hear which is yeah maybe abortion isn't you know the best uh, so maybe maybe abortion is wrong but but you know what though i care more about poverty and this and that that just seems to be their argument and now christians are starting to embrace that kind of reasoning too but i've said before it's not legal to kill poor people it's not legal to even make someone poor right you can't steal from someone and make them well that's the government can do that but anyway <laughs> um it's not it's not legal to kill an immigrant it's not legal to kill an illegal immigrant it's not legal to kill somebody who has you know a sickness it's not well in some cases uh, these days <laughs> if you're elderly um, anyway um but generally these things are not legal yeah what's illegal what's prized and precious today in our culture and for democrats is killing pre-born babies mm. Kavanaugh, that whole mess was yeah. based on the fear that he might get rid of Roe v. Wade. With, with, uh, I'm forget, uh, I'm struggling. Um, with um, the new candidate, uh, Amy. AC, yeah, yeah, is it Amy Coney Barrett? Barrett, yeah, Amy Barrett. Yeah. I think. Yeah, the fear about her, all that controversy, is really all comes down to the fear over Roe v. Wade being uh, overturned. Which is why Biden made the statement he made, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Hmm. So if you are a pro-life Christian and you're voting for Trump, sorry, you're voting for Biden, what are you really voting for? Because you're helping to harm the pro-life movement and really pre-born babies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a huge issue. And I, and I think there's a lot of tension when nowadays we talk about politics in the church, but in, you know, unfortunately when any kind of political party adopts moral issues, mm -hmm. then the church is no longer able to step back and not say anything right yeah. now. Yeah. Now we have to, yeah. and, and it's difficult 
Um, but the way things are situated right now, and, and a lot of guys make this argument too, right? And I've heard this um, as a part of this new kind of pro-life for Christ, pro-life Christians for Biden group is that, well, you know, Trump's character is so despicable. It's deplorable. Yeah. He's mean, you know, kind of the orange man, bad thing. And, you know, let me just be crystal clear. I see no genuine evidence that Donald Trump is yet a believer. I don't see that. I regularly play, pray for his salvation. And so don't mistake th- these comments as being, you know, Trump's this wonderful Christian. He is our president and, and he has done more to protect um, not only life in general, but to protect a lot of the things that, um, you know, Christians hold near and dear because of our faith. He has mm-hmm. done those things. Yeah. Um, it, but more importantly, I think when we're talking about abortion, these issues, we have to look at the platforms. Mm-hmm. So the Republican Party, um, yes, no one is making the argument. In fact, this is a pet peeve of mine, the straw men of how there are bad people in the Republican Party. Well, of course there are. But mm-hmm. they have not platformed any moral issues that I'm aware of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when you go to the Democrat Party, they have platformed oh, yeah. and said, I mean, they have just flat out come and said, uh, if you support us, this is what you're helping us do, right? Yeah. So in case there was any confusion as to whether you are partaking in what they're doing, they've made it clear that you are. So yeah. they platformed abortion, they platformed homosexuality, they platformed transgenderism, mm-hmm. they platformed Basically, they've platformed just sin and death. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. really, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned this because I get very frustrated with don't be political. Don't be. Look, first of all, everything, everything is theological. And the way the world is today, everything is political. Wait, everything. So you're saying there's no separation between secular and sacred? Is that what you're saying, Samuel? Exactly what I'm saying. It's a very right, bizarre brother. thing. It's a very bizarre thing. Because we, we know this. But the funny thing is this. We oftentimes will say abortion is evil. We recognize that. But it's easy to say that. As a Christian, it's very easy to say that. But to say don't vote for people who promote that evil would be considered a sin in some circles. It's not. It, I struggle with this because I don't struggle with it. I'm just saying I struggle to maintain my, you know, my frustration sometimes because we oftentimes talk about a man like Wilberforce, right? And how Wilberforce was this great man. Well, we say that because he's dead, right? right? It's yeah. easy to talk about how great he was when you don't live in that culture when it was hard yeah. for him to do what he was doing, for him to go to the churches and say, we need your help. Yeah. What's the difference? Or even right now, we talk often about, you know, what, where, what was the courage from the church when slavery and segregation was legal in America? Yeah. We say that. Okay, then. Would that mean that if you lived in that time, you would, from the pulpit, say we should repent as a nation, that we are racist towards black Americans? Would we say that? That you should not vote for people who want to oppress black people? But now we live in a culture today where we're doing exactly the same thing yeah. we denounce our forefathers of doing in the past, where we are being cowardly. And we don't want, I'm not saying anybody has to go out there and do that. I'm not saying that. Yeah. What I'm saying is if you are afraid to do so, mm-hmm. that is cowardly. And it's not a sin. Now, I'm not saying people should be you know, advocating for one party over the other necessarily sure. from the pulpit. But you can at least say 
do not vote. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying they should do that. I'm saying that you can. It's not wrong yeah. to say yeah. it's evil to vote for the Democrats when they are pushing for these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's not sinful at all. It's actually righteous to do so. Yeah. Right? You and, know, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I would make the case, brother, that actually in today's current society, it, it, it is actually a, a, a mandate for preachers because now it involves the moral issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, my, my public position has been from, from a biblical worldview, from a, from biblical ethics standpoint, I think you can um, in good conscience, biblically, a a biblically trained conscience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You you can vote for the Republican party. Um, I think you can abstain from voting. Right. Yeah. I don't think the Bible mandates that. Um, I think I don't think that's the best or the wisest, but I think you can do that biblically. And I think mm-hmm. you could vote for a third party or a write in. I think those before God you could do currently and, and be mm-hmm. upright. I I don't think that biblically, morally, you can vote for the Democrat Party and be right before God. In fact, not only do I not believe that, I can prove that right? Just biblical ethics through scripture, because um, scripture makes it abundantly clear that we can't join with those who are, are in sin like that. And sorry, I, I think I jumped in on you, brother. What were you going to say? Oh, no. Um, I can just tell that some might say, yeah, but you know, it's politics. I don't think it's right now. So not only do I say that everything is theological, but the Bible commands us to hate evil, love good and establish justice. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you establish justice? How do you do that? It's through politics, right? Politics is just justice applied or injustice applied. So if we want to be faithful to God in establishing justice, you have to be political. Now, again, as you said, it doesn't mean that you have to go out there and vote. But even by not voting, it's political because you're, you're making a statement by not doing so. Absolutely. So it, we have a very weird understanding on, on these issues. Um, but I agree with you. I, I cannot, uh, I, I cannot vote for a party that is radically pro-abortion. I just cannot do that. It's, yeah. it's against my conscience. Not just that it's against God's word. God tells me to, uh, to rescue those who are being taken to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. Well, who's taking babies to the slaughter right now is the democratic party. So if I'm called to rescue babies from the Democratic Party, how then can I vote for them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, I'm reminded of the scripture, um, and I I don't have it pulled up, but it makes it very clear, and the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that he he says, uh, tells us that we are not even to eat with professing believers and he lists a name of things, right? Greed is one of them. Um, it, there's a whole list of sins there. I'll see if I can pull it up because I, w- I want to read that because it's pertinent. But I think a lot of the problems comes from the fact that many Christians and maybe, uh, unfortunately, the majority really do not have a biblical worldview they just have a secular worldview with kind of scripture injected. And so immediately um, people just seem to not be able to step back and judge um, how they vote and parties 
from a biblical perspective without internalizing it. So, it, you know, if someone's been voting Democrat their whole life and all of a sudden now I say, well, you know, biblically you, you, you are in sin and not right before God if you join with that. That, you know, they internalize that as, a, as an attack against their self, whereas, you know, a Christian, a professing Christian who is seeking to live holy and righteous uh, and right before God, the right response would be, oh, well, maybe I voted for them in the past, but if this is not right before God, then I'm not going to do that anymore, mm-hmm. right? I, our, our, our heart should be, like Paul says, uh, if I wanted to please men, I wouldn't be a, a slave of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. If we want to please God, then we should be willing to set anything aside that ultimately mm-hmm. goes against his will, his word, and his ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just to understand, because I'm curious, are you saying that when a professing Christian votes for the Democrats, it's a sin or that it is a definite evidence of them being unconverted? No, I, I think it's sin. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that you're, you know, what we don't want to say is uh, if you vote this way, you're not saved. But, yeah. I do, but we do want to be very clear and say you are sinning. You yeah. are assisting in something yeah. that is attacking what God yeah. clearly forbids. Yeah, I, and, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but thanks for asking that because we don't want people to, you know, we don't, that would be works-based salvation, no. basically. Exactly. Right? So, so we're not I, saying I figured that was the case. That's why I asked you that question because I didn't want you to be getting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I may get some hate mail on that one. But no, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. But, that, but so we want to make it clear it, it is sinful. Um, because you're joining in that, but that doesn't mean you're not a believer. Now, that doesn't mean uh, y- you can excuse it, right? By yeah, saying, "Well, if, if I've I can sin and and not worry about it." I'm pretty sure the Apostle Paul makes some comment about not presuming upon God's grace. And exactly. I mean, and this may sound this may uh, well. It's theoretically possible for a Christian to get an abortion it'd be a heinous, heinous crime or, I mean, sin. And I would imagine it's extremely, it would have, I mean, I, I, I struggle to think of that, but, but theoretically we can, a Christian can commit a number of sins. It yeah. wouldn't make it right. It wouldn't make it justifiable. Uh, we know, for example, that David committed murder. He committed uh, adultery and many, yeah. many uh, awful sins but doesn't mean you can justify it. So it's in the same way a Christian can vote for uh, injustice. It doesn't, but it's something to be repented of, not something to continue doing. Yeah. And it's effectively, we're just saying that Christians still sin, right? Of course. Um, And and so because someone sins, whatever that sin may be. Now, you know, if if someone's lifestyle is um, Mm -hmm. characterized by repetitive, unrepented sin, you know, then we would have legitimate cause to question whether or not the Spirit of God lives in that person, maybe. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, but, but I think, you know, a, a, a Bible-believing Christian who loves God truly, who loves the Word of God, um, maybe they haven't contemplated these, these things really. Maybe they have latched onto the world's way of thinking. Um, but I fully believe that if the Holy Spirit is indwelt in a person, uh, and they hear truth, you know, like what we're talking about, that the Spirit of God will convict that person. 
Um, and, and I would just say, I, I want to talk about the conscience thing, right? Um, because we've, t- we've mentioned the word a few times here, uh, but the reality is just because your conscience allows you to do something doesn't mean it's a biblically trained conscience. Mm-hmm. You're completely right. A lot of people do things because their conscience allows them to do so. But we, we would know it's sinful. There are a lot of people who are living, uh, who are practicing homosexuality, and they would say that their conscience tells them that's fine. But yet yeah. we know biblically that's wrong. Yeah, and and so I would just say for uh, you know the the pro life or Biden guys, um, it, you know, for believers who are joining in with you know this whole social justice stuff, uh, excusing the abortion. Um, it, you know, if your conscience is okay with those things, then that means you have a worldly conscience, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's not been trained biblically. And, you know, Bible talks about having a seared conscience. That's a different thing. You don't ever want to get to that place. Um, but the reality is, um, it, I, I think it's just become an excuse a lot of times, right? Well, I'm okay in my conscience. Well, that might be true. Uh, you may feel okay. Although I would actually argue I think there is a weight and a burden that would come on any woman who has an abortion or anyone participating in mm-hmm. that, um, that they can suppress, but it nonetheless is there in every single yeah, person. I agree. Completely agree. And, and concerning the evangelicals who, um, who vote for Biden, they premise, they, 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 they reason that they're doing so because they are consistently pro-life, that they're really voting for other justice issues, that they're willing to sacrifice pre-born babies, essentially, mm. to, um, to support other forms of justice concerning poverty, immigration, health care, all that stuff. The problem is that concept of justice concerning poverty, immigration, health care is actually injustice. Biblically, they're pursuing things that God does not call for. Yeah. God does not call for a government-mandated control of the health care. Now, if someone believes that's supposed to be the case, there's some arguments you can, we can deal with that. But that's not something that God says you're supposed yeah. to pursue. He doesn't say it's a government's job to be, to be pursuing that. So if you're willing to betray preborn babies mm. for something that God has not said you're supposed to pursue, that's not a, that's the, you're not pursuing that because of a passion for biblical justice. You're pursuing that because of a worldly concept of justice. Yeah. And, you know, the, the idea that um, things like poverty, health care, uh, border control, the idea that those things uh, all together can, is more valuable than a life is, I, I, to be honest, it's just kind of disgustingly evil. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because what you're saying is if you put enough, um, you know, non-life-threatening issues together, then it, it overrides the, the quality, the value of a life. And so just imagine, it, just to put this in picture form, and I'm a simple guy, so this won't be elaborate. Um, it, you know, just imagine that you, you have, uh, you're walking down the street and on one side of the road, there's a person in a, a burning car that you can pull, you could pull them out, right? Or you can try to and save their life. Um, on the other side is a man who hasn't eaten in 10 days or 30 days, and he's literally starving. 
And what's happening is we've got Christians who are choosing to feed the starving guy and leave the burning lady in the car. I should go further than that. I think if you don't, and I think it's a great example, but if you don't mind, I think perhaps a more, a more, um, what was the word I want to use? A, a more similar example to what's really happening here might be not only is this person trapped in a burning car, there is a person with a knife who's about to stab this person. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, decapitate them, just destroy them, and then dump them off to the garbage. And then you see someone who is poor or actually poorer than everybody else, but is still surviving. Yeah. And then you say, hmm, yeah, I'm going to go give that person, actually, not just give them money. You're going to go take money from somebody else. You're gonna, just going to go grab it from somebody else hmm. and give it, to, give it to that person. No questions asked. Yeah. There are several hmm. sins happening in that scenario. Yeah. Now that 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 definitely is a better picture. And and but I think we have to do these things so that people can really kind of get an image of what's going on because I mean I will say I I think there are good-willed um believers who have just been duped. Yeah. Right? Um they're they don't spend enough time in the word. They're they have too little biblical worldview, and they're they're good willed, but they've been duped into believing a lot of the stuff the world's believed. But in yeah. doing so, you know, joining with and committing heinous acts. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, they're just uh, there just isn't any other way to describe what abortion is. Now, I I, I reference a passage earlier that I I want to I want to read here from First Corinthians five eleven because this is quite literally um, what we're seeing in the church today. Uh, the, the ignoring this kind of passage. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not mm. even to eat with such a one. Mm. That That is an extreme uh, mandate, at mm. least in our current context. Well, mm. how am I applying that? My point is really this. Um, one, this is why I personally refuse to have any kind of intimate fellowship with those who are unrepentantly supporting things like Black Lives Matter. I just don't think we can do that. But more importantly, if that's the standard for how we would uh, respond to other professing believers, what on earth would make us think that we could join with unbelievers in doing things that heinous. Hmm. That just doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. Right? Uh, there, yeah. There's a standard set forth in Scripture that we don't link arms and join with evildoers, whether they're professing believers or unbelievers. Now, we're not talking about whether or not we share the gospel. That's a whole different thing. We do that, obviously, right? Um but we don't link arms and join with guys who are involved in, in such things. And th- that's the biblical standard. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had not considered that in that manner before. Uh, you've given me quite a lot to think about, actually. That's interesting. Yeah. And, 
Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. And I, I mean, I would say as a caveat, we need, we need to be cautious when we look at scriptures like that. We're not talking about, again, the goodwill people who are just uneducated about what mm-hmm. the platforms stand for, what they're really doing. Uh, mm-hmm. But ultimately, what that would mean in the church, yeah. right, is yeah. if you have pro-abortion Christians— Okay, which is an oxymoron. There's no real such thing. Um, Mm. But if you have people who are pro-abortion, which we're seeing more and more, Mm. ultimately, you know, after uh, addressing the issues, after confronting the sin, we would eventually break fellowship with those people. Mm. Um, Just like Mm. we would, if God's standard is that someone who is greedy, right, that eventually we would break fellowship with, surely someone who is is mm. repentant in supporting abortion mm. we would break fellowship with it wow. again and, and and again you know we're talking about just to make it crystal clear not that someone a, a christian had an abortion yeah now the repentant, right you're talking about going through the church discipline stuff we're talking about an unashamed unrepentant individual mm-hmm. um in, in these areas who at mm-hmm. the end of the day are, are would just say something like yeah I, I yeah I'm just I'm happy to do this it's not a big deal I'm going to support this um, but my point in bringing that out was if God's standard is that strong for how we associate with each other's believers what mm-hmm. would make a believer think they could join arms with unbelievers mm-hmm. in doing such heinous acts that's a great point. That's a very good point. Um, and I wonder, as you're speaking, I wonder by failing to disassociate with professing Christians who are um, intentionally embracing these divisive issues, these these, these sins. How much? Uh, I mean, yeah. How how have we? Um, shown an apathy towards sin in general Um, because then by doing so then we're not taking these sins seriously enough yeah so uh, yeah well and and you know again it's good to say you know several times that we're not talking about every christian that messes up in in sins in these areas but Mm -hmm. uh, there most certainly are wolves in sheep's clothing um who are championing these things fully knowing and misleading other believers and enticing them. Um, and I, yeah, I think scripture is pretty clear. We, we, if we fellowship with those guys, we're joining in with their sin. Um, and so we've got to be careful, but beyond that for the Christian, you know, for the guys who are attaching themselves to this pro-life Christian for Biden group um, again, if God's standard is that we wouldn't even link arms with Christians who are doing these things, why would you join with unbelievers who, I think anyone who argues that as a whole, the Democrat party doesn't hate God it is either just totally disingenuous or totally ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made that clear over and over and over um, that their, their view of God is, you know, that, that, they hate God. And, and so why would we join in with that? Um, don't mistake that for saying the Republican Party loves God. Um, that, that's another, another issue. But um, yeah, for a Christian to join in with the Democrat Party, you are, I mean, you have to understand that you are helping promote the murder of innocent children. You, you have to understand that. I mean, 
when you read through their platform, and again, we, we've already mentioned this, but um, it's not just the Hyde Amendment they're trying to repeal, but there's uh, the Title 10. There's a whole bunch of things. You read through that, and they make the statement in the beginning that this is what we stand for. This is what we believe. This is what we're pursuing. I'm paraphrasing that. And, and so that's important because when you vote for them, you are, by way of your vote as a Christian, saying, I want to help further these things. So let me ask you, dear Christian, do you want to help further the murder of innocent preborn children? Because that's what your vote will do. And, and we've, we've got to answer that question. Yeah. It's, it's almost like driving a woman to an abortion clinic. Did you, did you, um, um, did you kill the baby yourself? No. Did you help the woman do that? Yes. Which is a sin. An active participation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It it might blow your mind if you don't already know, but I have actually read of a supposed elder in a church that that is their ministry, driving women to the abortion clinic. That's their ministry. That is their quote-unquote ministry. Wow. Yeah. It's a ministry, just not for God. <laughs> just not for God, yeah. And, you know, so it, it it's a serious topic. It's a serious issue. And, it, you know, we don't want to put any undue burden on people, but we've got to be candid. Um, God cares about life, right? We're made in His image and to, to, to take a life premeditated. I mean, we're talking about premeditated murder in every case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to take a life and to, to do so in, in that manner, um, it's totally unacceptable. It's aberrant before God. And I would just remind, um, remind us that you go back to Genesis and you, you read that, you know, the, the blood of those who have been slain cries out to God, mm-hmm. right? I, just imagine since Roe v. Wade, 50 million, over 50 million innocent children Mm-hmm. Surely their blood must cry out to God. Yeah. Right. And, 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 uh, one more thing to, to that number, the 50 million. Of the 50 million, I think it's 18 million of, the, of that, or 20 million if you want to, you know, because uh, I've heard it could be between 18 to 20 million. 20 million of that is black preborn babies. Considering we're, you know, what our culture right now is talking about with Black Lives Matter. That's a ve- I mean, it's a very relevant number anytime, but I would normally wouldn't want to mention the ethnicity of the baby because either way, they're just babies. But considering our Black Lives Matter culture, yeah. what does that say about what we really think about uh, Black humans? Uh, I, was at a, I was speaking at a school uh, virtually, um, you know, speaking to kids between, uh, you know, 13 to 17, and I mentioned to them that in the slave trade, there were altogether 12 million Africans forced from the African continent into the new world in you know, the Caribbean or America, Canada, um, Europe, all that. But particularly, now I guess 12 million, right? But particularly, there were 2 million taken and brought to America. 2 million hmm. versus 20 million. Their faces... They were shocked. They couldn't believe it. Yeah. Hmm. Now, from that two million, 
you now have 43 million black people in America today. Now, some of that, of course, is, you know, because of immigrant immigration, but at least 35 to 40 million, if not, yeah, probably 40 million of that comes from descendants of the 2 million. Yeah, sure. What about the 20 million babies who've been killed? Mm, mm. What about their children? Yeah. What about their grandchildren? Yeah, you know, I, I think understanding the history and the facts about history and what's happened and numbers, it does matter. It matters in our culture, like you say, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, because I, I mean, that, that right there, you've just exposed the hypocrisy of that movement, uh, because we can't for a moment believe that at least the top end leaders don't know those numbers already. Um, the history of Planned Parenthood is not a secret. Margaret yeah. Sanger, you know, was an extreme racist, targeted blacks, and that's continued to go on over the years. The Democrat Party, the, the, you know, has continually supported, even just if you look at where Planned Parenthood facilities are, it tells you a lot. It, exactly. it really does. They're in predominantly poorer poorer black areas well why is that this is how you know how sacred abortion is to democrats and Mm -hmm. you know leftist groups yeah they've canceled all the white supremacists except for margaret sanger Mm. Now they did some, you know, they, they said some words, some of them in some chapters said some words about it, but really nothing else was really done outside of just saying, oh yeah, she said things that we didn't quite agree with. But other than that, nothing else. They're not mm. boycotting Planned Parenthood. Not just that, Planned Parenthood, we talk about right now disparities. Everyone talks about, well, disparities against black people. Well, why is it that so many black women are going to these clinics to mm. kill their babies? Why? Why is that? Why is the disparity of black women or black babies being killed not being talked about? Hmm. Because that's the one thing that they find sacred. So everything else they might care about, but what they worship most Hmm. is abortion. And for them, this really is, of course, you know, the God of Moloch. Yeah. And unfortunately, many professing Christians instead of being opposed to that are apathetic hmm. or unfortunately supportive of, um, of, um, you know, abortion. Yeah. Planned Parenthood is most certainly the modern day Moloch of our time. And so instead of sacrificing on an altar to Moloch in biblical times, you sacrifice your baby to Planned Parenthood. Um, yeah, it, it's atrocious. It is a sinner for sin um, and death. It really is. And I, again, it, it's the, the peak irony in that not too long ago, Planned Parenthood put out their public support for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember reading that and I just kind of for a moment genuinely felt like a cartoon character just wanting to beat my head against the desk. Um, you know, how audacious of a, a place who targets um, the murder of innocent children who puts their facilities targeting in poor black areas predominantly, how, how, how they have the audacity to say, yeah, we support and champion Black Lives Matter. Uh, it, 
the hypocrisy there is staggering. That's because they know what, unfortunately, only a few seem to know, uh, which is that Black Lives Matter is a fraudulent movement. They don't really care about black lives. They just care about their agenda. Their agenda just really, really, it just really means to use black people as a pawn to get what they really want, which is just a socialist, uh, um, you know, Marxist state. They've, I mean, they've frankly admitted this. Um, they've called themselves a very much, they, they've said they're very much influenced by Marx, Mao, Lenin, um, like all the socialists. I mean, they, they, they've, they're, they're not hiding the ball here. Yeah. Unfortunately, so, so that's, why black, uh, that's why Planned Parenthood can support them because they know at the end of the day, they're not caring about black people. They're just caring more about their socialist uh, thinking. And Planned Parenthood is very much a socialist uh, group as well, too. Historically, that's what they've been. Margaret Sanger was a socialist. Uh, she was a Marxist. And um, you know, as was Mary Stopes, who is the equivalent across um, you know, the Planned Parenthood, equivalent across the world. Hmm. They've all been, so uh, this is not necessarily to be, now, of course, Socialism is also not against, uh, it's also against biblical theology, but I'm making the point that all these things are fueled by an ideology or ideologies that are against biblical theology. Yeah. And, you know, since we're on, on the topic of the Black Lives Matter thing and, and how abortion plays in that, I, I find it interesting that, well, one, now uh, Black Lives Matter on their website, they've changed things and, and deleted things. Yeah. Um, fortunately, lots of us have what they originally put. But, you know, as a movement, like you just said, I mean, a couple of the leaders just flat came out and said, we're professionally trained Marxists. Yeah. So how people still deny that is beyond me. But uh, but beyond that, um, in in their original on on their website in their original uh, you know page where they showed what they believed, part of it was the destruction of the family unit, right? And one so one just thinks, well, how does that benefit black people? Mm-hmm. You know how does how does destroying a, a central unified family? How is that beneficial to to any color, right? Any ethnicity, um, it, it's not. And how and they support abortion, like you've said before. Um, how does supporting an agency that targets poor black people? Um, how is that championed by a group called Black Lives Matter? I, I mean, it is it, it, to use John MacArthur's word that he says all the time. It's insanity. Right. We're calling evil good and good evil. You've got an organization named Black Lives Matter that promotes the murder of small black lives. Uh, it, it is literally insanity. Yeah. Not just, of course, which is, I mean, you know, that's, that's, as I said before, their sacred uh, view. But not only do they promote the, um, the murder of pre-born babies, they're very much also apathetic or kind of promote the murder of other people, other black people as well, too. Um, they don't care that black cops get killed by their movement. They don't care that um, black people in general are being destroyed by their agenda. They don't care about that. They care more about their agenda than anything else. And then concerning the nuclear family, how they want to abolish that. Well, when you destroy the family and then who else becomes a family, who becomes a parent, when you destroy a black men or a man period, who becomes the family or who becomes the father. It's the government. And that's really what, that's, that is very much their agenda, is to destroy the nuclear family and they can make people dependent on the government instead of on their families. 
Yeah, I, I, which is a fundamental rule in creating the Marxist society. You, you, you want people to be fully dependent on the government. So how do you do that? You destroy the family. So the government becomes family. You create poverty, um, you know, by way of obfuscation, really, uh, trickery, slide, academic sleight of hand. Um, you create poverty and, and then you do things like give people regular checks, right? So then you depend on the government. Um, you provide health care. Uh, at low or no cost because then you're dependent on the government. And and so the fundamental way to create a Marxist society is to take all these areas of life and make each area a dependency on government because, and, and it really comes down to this, once you're dependent on government, you're controllable. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so the illusion that these guys um, value anybody's life, not just the preborn, um, it is, it's really just that. It's an illusion because they only value your, your life as far as you'll help them accomplish their end goal. And like you said, if you're a black police officer who's doing what he should be doing, uh, your life is of no consequence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the young black mother is uh, going to abort her baby, um, they would encourage that if it means she can protest more on the streets. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, the, these are good things to think about. And I, as we kind of wrap up here, do you have any final thoughts, Samuel, anything you'd like to encourage people to read or think about? Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, Wadi Bokum is a very helpful voice on these issues. Very helpful. Um, there are many, you know, John MacArthur, uh, there's uh, Founders Ministries. Uh, there's this little blog called SlaughterRight.com um, <laughs> that people can go to to just, um, you know, just stay, you know, just stay. And of course, your podcast and, <clears throat> sorry, that you can go to to stay informed on these issues. But above all, of course, just stay in the word, mm-hmm. uh, to be reading a word because we're living in a culture that is increasingly hostile to not just biblical justice, but just to the Bible as a whole and to the gospel. And uh, unfortunately, there are many, uh, there are many, unfortunately, there are many professing Christians who, uh, who are jumping ship. And, um, you know, it's a huge concern, but we are, you know, I mean, I know America has enjoyed, um, I-, I was even saying this to a friend some time ago, Billy Graham. Now, you know, Billy Graham's theology has, you know, s- some problems, but um, <laughs> to put it, I guess to leave it there, right? <laughs> but at the very least, as early as 20 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, his sermons were still being broadcasted, not, you know, internationally and nationally. Not anymore. That's not going to fly anymore. Mm-hmm. The last 15, 20 years, America has changed a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And it's still changing rapidly today. So we Christians need to just stay um, guarded on the word. Um, we need to um, be taking all thoughts captive to Christ. And uh, as you know, I'm not saying that we're going to be persecuted in two years or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we live in a very changed uh, world right now. And um, just seeing how Antifa is being considered a righteous group, Black Lives Matter, all these things, mm-hmm. uh, the concerning times. But yeah, God knows all things. This is not a surprise to God. Uh, things may surprise us, but he knows all things. So we can just keep reading his word and keep trusting in him and we're all going to be okay. 
Yeah, that's a good reminder. Stay in the word. Um, sola scriptura, sola scriptura, right? Scripture alone. And so I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, I, I think the last time I looked at the stats, it was something like less than 10% of American professing believers read their Bible on a regular weekly basis. Um, if that's even remotely true, it's, a, it's understandable that we have the problems we have in the church today. And, and so please get in the word of God. There are a lot of great tools to help you do that, but there's nothing like cracking up a, you know, physical Bible at your desk, but we have audio Bibles. We, there really is no excuse in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so without the word of God, um, we, I think Vody said this too, actually, uh, it, without the word of God, he says you produce passionate Christians who don't know the Jesus that they love very well. Or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so passion is good, but but ignorant passion's not not always great. So, mm-hmm. uh, Samuel, it was great to have you on. Um, I would just encourage our listeners if you want to support Samuel's work, I would highly encourage that. If you're looking for a place to put a few dollars to support, um, it's getting harder and harder to find ministries. I think who are being faithful who are being diligent to the word of God. There are some out there and Samuel's ministry is one of those. So we will put the link to his Patreon below. I know that he would be very grateful for that. Um, And so you can click that link. You can sign up, you know, through Patreon to help support his work. He runs the blog, slowtowrite.com. A fantastic resource, and of course, he um, champions in in his area promoting life and and working in the abortion arena. And so, if you uh, have a heart look for those things, which every Christian does, but if you're looking for a place to support someone, I highly recommend Samuel. So we'll have that in the show notes. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. I hope that this was a blessing to you. I hope it gave you something to think about. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.